Who's this thing on? <laughs> hey. Bro, you gotta stop tapping the mic with your nose. Why? Does it make a noise? <laughs> Bear. <laughs> Bear. Check. I can't help one, two, three, but notice your face is right on the mic, but your voice seems check. like it's coming from out of a foot. Check. And a half one, away. two, three, check. <laughs> <laughs> Perfectly Accessible Podcast, where every Tuesday, well, Bella, it's first of all, it's the Pacific Northwest premiere patio, uh, <laughs> darn. it's the, 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 the Pacific Northwest premiere uh, pop culture entertainment comic book related news and review show. It's a big deal. Um, where every Tuesday we get a whole bunch of comic books, we take them back to our, com- we get them from UPS, we take them back to our comic shop where we count them and love them and sort them and and get all you know get get all touchy and feely with them and then we file them away for all the wonderful subscribers that would be getting them i don't remember if i said that yet and then we go to them to our respective quiet places where we engage uh and it's a sort of like a peaceful artistic respite where it's just you know sort of uh, a one-on-one uh, you know it, fiction gatherer and uh fiction content it's a sort of you meet in the middle. It's like the you know a triangle, the middle line. It's the most powerful metaphor. You create a third point by joining with a second point, um, and then we come back to the comic shop where we uh, sorted them originally and uh, kind of engage in a variety of tangents, either related to or unrelated to the books, the comic shop that we all work in, or the comings and goings of our lives. Sometimes. Um, it's, you know, Django and Justin and Roman and Jeff, or some variation of those four. Sometimes Brayden's on, sometimes Colette's on. Uh, this week, uh, well, we didn't have a podcast last week, so I'm sorry, but this week it's, uh, Jeff, and, uh, I love comics. Uh, and this is Sam, and I love someone that loves comics. That's right, everybody. Sam Konechka. How are you, buddy? I'm excited to get this train going. Going. going Thanks for being the on the Perfectly Acceptable Podcast. Now listen, in the past, we recorded in the Pap Cave. We had to shut the Pap Cave. We went up to the Pap Penthouse, the Pap House. But we're not there right now. As it turns out, this week has been insane, coupled by a, a previously insane last week, which is why there was... Barry, put your hand down. <laughs> which is why there wasn't a podcast last week. The insanity is mounted to the most important guest we could possibly have. Sam Kay, uh, talking about this week's comics with us. Sam, what books are we going to be talking about? Well, this week on the docket, we've got Silver Surfer Black, issue number one. Yeah. Got a very nice hand on the cover. Um, whew, this one's a difficult one. Uh, Event Leviathan, number one as well. Um, we've also got another number one, Jughead's Time Police. And throwing in an unnatural issue number 10. Pretty, pretty fun one. Um, next up, we've got some Spider-Man Life Story 4, the 90s, 4 being the issue number. Uh, <laughs> and we've also got The War of the Realms, the unbeatable squirrel girl, issue number 45. Cute, cute little unicorn squirrel on the front. Uh, Wonder Twins is also in this list, issue number 5. And we'll also be talking about Five Years. Issue number two. 
And you know, if we go long, we'll cut one of those out. Or if we get hungry in the middle, we'll have a dessert snack because we're recording this from the pot. We had to listen. I apologize if you hear any construction going on because we had to build a <laughs> podcast recording studio in our house. Um, there's still some folks coming and going. Uh, a lot of the insulation's kind of still drying because I believe that's how insulation works. And uh, yeah, it's, you know, we're gonna get this train rolling. So what I think is really a great call about having uh, Sam on the podcast is that um, even though we've been partners for four years now, this is actually the first time you will have ever listened to the podcast. I don't know if you know, but I do a podcast, <laughs> which is where I often am at an evening time, Oof. and it makes it uh, difficult to find me. So <laughs> I'm just learning that today. Yeah, no, it's a big, it's a big secret. But um, you know, we thought it'd be a good. We all had a, like a sit-down meeting, you know, the original Papcast and I, and we thought, let's get a guest on who hasn't ever listened, doesn't know the format. <laughs> doesn't read comic books. Hasn't read a lot of comic books. So I guess before we start, actually, before we start talking about Silver Surfer Black, I'm curious, how many, how many, do you read comics? Do you like comics? Do you, do you often read comics? Let's make sure the listeners know what your relationship with comics are. Um, I like comics. I like to look at the art in them. Um... Not your typical superhero comic book reader. I like more of saga or image kind of books, not to be that person, but I like the more not superhero saving the day type things. We're so. a very hip couple. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, and like right now, Little Bird's really good, and so is Unnatural, kind of the weirder. Yeah, it's cool. We've got Sam on the podcast this week because Unnatural came out, and I think that we talked about like issue one. Maybe maybe uh, Django has talked about an episode or issue before, but um, I'm hoping to hear a kind of like what the fuck that book is about besides just really cool blue-haired sexy pig. Cause that's, that's a, I mean, part of it. It's a, it's at least a part, <laughs> at least a part. Um, do you have a favorite comic book at this point? Whew. If it, it's if it were Silver Surfer Black, that would be a perfect segue. But I don't want you to lie. I don't think it's Silver Surfer Black. <laughs> Although it was good, I don't think that is the one that would be my favorite. <laughs> what do you think would be? <laughs> um. Right now, Little Bird's really, really showing up with that art and that color. That just the details are all really bringing that really A game. Great, yeah. Showing up to the court and get oh, their yeah. b-ball shoes on, laced up, pumped up. But you know, Silver Surfer Black is definitely number two on the okay, list. Okay, cool, great segue. Silver Surfer Black number one by Donny Cates oh, and Trad Moore. Um, this is. Probably this is probably the biggest book of the week at our shop, Sam Tam. Um, there were. Have you heard me talking about Donny Cates? I'm sure he's writing Venom right now, and he wrote this like crazy Thanos book that came out like a year ago, mm -hmm. and it was kind of like a time traveling Thanos story, and it introduced the Cosmic Ghost Rider character. Okay, and he's just like been doing kind of buck wild, big fun, dumb comics dumb in a good way um this one so currently he's doing guardians of the galaxy and in the first issue of that some crazy stuff happened and silver surfer and a crew of other guardians got sucked through this wormhole which is where this book starts that makes sense yeah did it not make sense <laughs> i saw the asterisks yeah there was, it, yeah. It, it showed me thank you editor notes. <laughs> um yeah, that was, I guess, one thing I wanted to know was how this book read if you don't... I mean, one thing that I'm curious about, basically everything we'll talk about, is how it reads 
uh, if you're just dropping in out of nowhere because we're reading a lot of these things and with the exception of Unnatural and Squirrel Girl, they're not ones that you've read before. Um, so I'm curious your thoughts there. But in, basically, uh, Silver Surfer goes through a wormhole with this crew, and it's there's just this amazing art and all these psychedelic colors and patterns as he sort of bends his reality and uses all of his power um, from the power cosmic, which was endowed to him from Galactus, uh, to send everybody that's with him back through the wormhole with the exception of him. He doesn't make it. And he sort of floats for what seems like an eon and lands on this planet with these like three guards and he realizes that they're all shrouded in darkness and he creates a sun and casts light everywhere, destroys these three guards and opens this door. And Sam, what did we find on the other side of that door? We found a scary, scary Scary God, I believe that's what that was. Um, you know, a, a knoll. I am, I am knoll. K N U L L, which, as you know, is the god of the symbiotes that Donny Cates created in the Venom run that he's of doing. Of course. So, that was sort of what happened in this issue. What did you get out of this? Um, I, I don't know. I really just like to dive in and check out what what the artist is gonna make the the page look like and i really enjoy that that second page yeah that's the, the second page right yeah, yeah it's, well, it's page three and four it's a big double just, page thing but it just basically gives the whole backstory of silver surfer his history in a double page spread over about uh 12 panels yeah just excellent excellent colors even though there's only like three colors being yeah. used and Oof. No, but it does rule. So it challenges. Silver you. Surfer was a guy on a planet in Galactus, and you know oh, I yeah. love Galactus. I know who that is. Uh, he came to eat the planet, and as a way of preventing him from eating the planet, he told Galactus that he would be his herald, which means in order to keep his planet alive, he was forced to surf the cosmos for an eternity and find planets for Galactus to eat. Mm. And he never gets to be on his home with the people that he saved, mm. but he did save them. So he's a real sad boy. Yeah, and he's Naked killing and innocent silver. people oh. on that, like without actually. Right. So it's, so like it's tough. Deep he's probably guilt. battling with. He he clearly is battling with, with some, some stuff in some here. Debos. Yeah, battling with some debos. Um, I did like how he said that he fights only to end the fighting because that's kind of. Yeah. Interesting. That's... He's like um, noble sort of, I don't know. Is there a Game of Thrones character comparison we could make? Gosh. I, yeah, he's he's like this just sort of doomed, sad, has to be fight. I don't know. He's like eternally fighting, but to end fighting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is a good line. That's like a classic Donny Cates line. He writes sort of extreme, big things like that. Uh, what else did you like in here? Um, You know... It was really just an interesting book to jump into. Obviously, there's other stuff going on. Was a little confused. Like, is Beta Ray Bill a good guy or bad guy? Who is this guy? He's I don't horse know Thor. him. Okay, Horse Thor. That would make more sense. He looks Thorish. And he's a horse too. Is that so? <laughs> <laughs> All right. But dude, these like, these pages where he's bursting out of the wormhole and yeah. his body is dissolving and like gelatinous fluid. Yeah. Uh, 
that's cool stuff. So this artist, Trad Moore, did um, The New World with Alice Scott. Okay. And I think you read, I read some of that. I read some of that. Yeah. I read a good three or so. And then he did uh, the Luther Strode trilogy through Image a while ago as well. Um, and he's just got such a bizarre style. Yeah. Very Liney. psychedelic-ish, yeah. you know, the little background pieces. Um, so other question, are yeah. those, I'm guessing we'll find out what happens to them in Guardians of the Galaxy if you yeah, read that. Yeah, and that's been happening. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So they're on issue like So they know what's five, going on. Yeah, they're all caught up. I, I, I'm not caught up on that book. Uh, Me neither. It'll no, take I mean, years. <laughs> you got caught up on this week. Um, yeah, I think that this... It, the cool thing about this, I don't know if you read the afterword, the, there was a letter that the art writer wrote, Mm-mm. and he basically said that he was writing this issue when he heard that Stan Lee died, and he had met Stan like once or twice, and uh, when he met him, he said something to the effect of like, I'll never be able to thank you enough for like everything that you've done, and Stan was like, well, you could try. And so then he like, threw away the script he was writing and started back over. And it, this is sort of a big love letter to Stan Lee, cool. the, you know, one of the two creators of Silver Surfer. Mm-hmm. And it really does feel like a writer really wanting to express uh, deep inspiration and gratitude. Donny Cates does stuff where he's kind of like pushing everything to the boundaries all the time. And this one seems to somehow make it like a notch even more out there. I, yeah, I love these like these giant vertical panels yeah. and these crazy sense of scale. The pantaloons they're wearing. Have you ever seen the Disney movie The Princess and the Thief or The Prince and the Thief? It's like a weird older one with a kind of bizarre art style. I don't think so. These three characters really remind me of that art style. Yeah, they're looking they're looking fine. A little a little intimidating, but jerseys. So like on a scale of one to ten, what would you give it? Oh, um. I don't know. I would probably give it a seven. Sure. I don't. It was pretty good. It had some good messages. I don't know what the how hard harsh you grade since I'm oh, really horrible. Oh, it's all internal. I'm, I'm pretty bad at giving anything under a five. Good. So I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'd I'm go most... with a seven. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I would give that one. I think at eight point five. I I really liked it. Um. Between the art and the writing, I think it was a, a really sort of sweet alchemy. I can't wait to see what happens with it. It, I think the one complaint is that it does sort of spin right out of another series, and if you don't know what's going on with that, it could be confusing. I did read that issue, so it didn't really affect me, but I could see that not being super awesome. And yeah, it sort of continued this. Now this is sort of somehow crossing over with the Venom universe story, which... I love that he kind of connects all of his work, but at the same time, uh, not everything needs to be connected. But I, I, I really liked it. 8.5. That's my number for like a really good comic. And I give out 10s very occasionally. Nice. Roman throws his big old 10 gooey duck on the table all the time. <laughs> he would. Yeah. Um, next, I'm going to talk about Event Leviathan number one. Just very quickly. Uh, I read that one. That was the first book I read. I was incredibly excited about it. And I left it at the shop, which is not where we're recording right now. So I just want to throw it in as an honorable mention because it's probably the biggest DC book of the week. Um, I liked it a lot. The art was gorgeous. Alex Maleev has typically done Marvel stuff, and he did the run of 
Daredevil with Brian Bendis, and his art in that I think is absolutely incredible. Um, it's nice to have those two working together again. This issue was mostly a conversation between Batman, Lois Lane, and, oh gosh, it's been almost a week, um, Steve Trevor in one of the broken down buildings that Leviathan has attacked. And it's mostly an expositional issue where we're sort of gathering the forces and figuring out what exactly is going on. I, Sam, it's a, it's a good one. It's very Bendisy. it's very talking heads. And his early stuff is very detective driven, okay. uh, mystery driven. He did powers uh, and a lot of other things that were very sort of noir or sort of crime based. He's a crime okay. writer initially. Uh, so this leans on that. He, In reading it, I realized... So it's cool because it's Lois Lane talking to Batman mm. is, for a lot of it. Mm. And Lois Lane is like Superman's yeah. wife. And Batman is probably Superman's best friend. But in the Superman in, or the superhero world, there's not a lot of like, hey, do you want to come over for dinner? And like, you know, hang out with my wife or anything <laughs> like that. So as, these, as Batman and Wonder Woman were having this conversation, I realized that like... My first thought, like, they're kind of getting along at one point, and I was like, oh, God, I hope they don't have a relationship. And I was like, no, I'm just primed to think that. And I realized how incredibly interested I would be in just, like, the buddy story of Batman and Lois Lane, which is just, like, you know, the two best friends of Superman mm. having, you know, friendship of their own, and they have in common that they both like this kind of oafy, larger-than-life character. And uh, I just... I got really into that idea in reading this issue. So Superman Lois Lane as a friendship that we get to see, like a buddy cop procedural, if that's any part of Leviathan, I'm uh, pretty into it. I would say the event Leviathan as a name is uh, kind of a garbage name. <laughs> event Leviathan. What's it mean? So what did uh, what did you think about my review of Event Leviathan? Oh, I thought that was a great review. Did you think that was good? Oh yeah. Okay, what, what would you give the review and then I'll give the book a score. <laughs> Whew, I mean, I would... And what did you like about it, and then what did you not like about it? <laughs> well... You talked too fast. You talked very fast, but, uh, you know, I mean, that's cool. That Lois Lane and uh, my good friend... Was he as Batman, or oh, yeah, was he, he as Bruce? Batman out. Alex okay. Maleev draws real shadowy stuff, okay. and so it's like, cool Batman in the shadows. Do though. they ever talk as Lois Lane and Bruce Wayne? Um, there was in like in the main Batman book before the quote unquote wedding with Batman and oh. Catwoman, there was a couple issues. I think I even had you maybe read one where like Superman and Lois Lane go on a double date with Batman and Catwoman. Oh. And that, that was a lot of fun. And that's, that's, that's kind of the only time I can think about in super recent memory. Okay. But you know, Superman and Batman, like Bruce Wayne and Clark Kent are their secret fake yeah. identities. And I'm They're sure, really just... yeah, Batman and Superman are better. As they and, are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess I would give that a 6.5, having not read it. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, and I would give it um, an 8. 7.5 or an 8. Ooh. I hope, Phil, I hope it's okay to waffle a little bit. 7.5 or an 8. <laughs> also, Phil, you're in my living room. <laughs> my uh, pop-up pap cast. Oh, what? Where is he? Oh, I don't see him. Who's oh. Bell? Um, we have four stuffed bears at this point. We have Barry, Newberry, Barrick, and Barry Two Belts. Boy, they've got a personality. How did we let it get this bad? Oh, 
It's horrible. How do we live? So here's one that we both read. Jughead's Time Police by Cena Grace uh, and art by Derek Charm. Same guy that did Squirrel Girl. I was going to ask if you noticed. I caught that one. Nice. I know it was Erica Henderson. Erica Henderson. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But then I just realized that I have not read enough comic books and it's been a second, but I definitely noticed some differences when I was looking through it and some similarities between these two. The yeah. Squirrel Girl and this Jughead one. So what happened? Oh, oh, so much happened. Um, he, he drank a lot of milkshakes and ate a lot of pie, but he got really sad. Um, oh, Bear. Sorry, Barry got way into it. Um, you know. Is it Barry's favorite book of the week? I think so. He likes he likes to eat. He does. Um, you know, uh, it, it, as a person that's watched a bit of Riverdale, it's kind of fun to jump into these books because... You get to know them. They're definitely clearly based more on the actors that play them right now. I don't know. Do you if do you think so? Like, or at least their well, looks like, wise. Yeah, yeah, like their looks that, are yeah. clearly based, which is cool to keep with that theme of. Yeah, that's interesting. I didn't really notice that at first, but you're right. Jughead does look conspicuously like Cole Sprouse. Yeah. Um, he, just a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Most, no, you're totally yeah. right. But, you know, it was a good good little story of the kids just doing their thing. I do I do want to point out Betty's AirPods, you know, got to stay classy with those. Yeah, without, <laughs> without uh, any cords or anything. Yeah. Is that what they're called, AirPods? AirPods? I think wow. that's what the kids are calling them. God, we need Ashley here know. to tell us that. He's our feet on the street. I feel like it would just fall out of your ears as yeah. you're running. Yeah. Um, but, you know. Especially just... with my cauliflower ear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know, Jughead's trying to enter a pie contest and that makes sense because the kid loves to eat. He loves to make food. I don't know if actually he loves to make food or not. Well, that's, I guess the one question I had in this book, which is that I know he loves to eat. I didn't know if he was bad at cooking and this is why whatever happened happened or Mm. was he good at it and he actually made a mistake. But tell me what happened. Yeah. I mean, he gets kicked out of the pie contest for eternity, basically, because he makes a pie that gives everyone food poisoning, which if, if y'all have never had food poisoning, it sucks, so don't get it. One time I went and picked up Sam at an airport, and uh, she had just gotten off the plane and had had violent food poisoning for like four hours flying across the country. Don't do it. it it's it's no fun. And she still uh, can't eat lamb. <laughs> you know, it's, it's expensive. We don't need to pay for that. <laughs> Um, but, you know, Jughead gets sad because he can't go to this contest. He wants that free pie. Who yeah. doesn't want well, okay. Who doesn't want free pie? So the winner of this pie-making contest gets free pie and, and ice cream? A lifetime of pies and jams. And jams. Jams are So great. I'm thinking about this company, and I'm thinking about, every, do they do this competition every year? And if so, I that guess. means every year they add a new person to the list of people that gets free pie and jam for life. Yeah. At some point, that company's going bankrupt because they're making a lot of pies and jams. Well, maybe they're hoping older people are the ones making the pies. Oh, Sam, that was bleak. I'm sorry. I just thought of that now. <laughs> Gosh. You know, it, it would... So on the topic of bleak, good segue back to Jughead. <laughs> so Jughead gets real sad um, because, you know, he likes to eat, I think. Also, I was curious. I must have... I don't pay attention too much. When did the Archies happen? 
Is this just new, or has it been around? Well, there was a comic mini series within the last year that happened, but okay. the Archies is has, as far as I know, been the name of Archie's band for like okay. since this book started, yeah. which I have to imagine was two hundred years ago. And is it the four like plus? Oh, I forget his name. Um, Reggie? Yeah. I don't know the lineup of them. This seems like a pretty all-star lineup. Like yeah. Archie, Betty, Veronica, Jughead, and Reggie. But it might have more B-list characters in, yes. in other incarnations. Just curious about that. Yeah, no, there's really a lot of Archie history cats, so. we don't have. But yeah, it was, you know, Jughead wasn't really playing his drums very well. Um, looking a little bit. Under the weather, a little depressed, maybe, you know. He can't get that behind that Yeah, jam. he can't even enter the competition. But then he gets this idea, like, I'm just going to time travel, because that's easy. That's something any high schooler can create, right? Like, why not yeah. <laughs> Why not do this? So he goes and recruits Dilton Dal- Doily. Yeah. Dalton Doily. Dilton, Dalton, Dilton, Dilton. I love just this idea of like, I'll go get the smart guy and we'll build a, build a time machine. It's physics 530. That's got shit covered. Yeah. That's going to... Theoretical physics. Did yeah. they make 500 level classes? I guess so. Um, I guess my biggest qualm about oh, this yeah, book yeah, is yeah. time travel. Yeah. I'm not a, <laughs> I've never... The time turner was my first real experience with time travel and I still don't get how there's not like a hundred Hermione's everywhere. So there's well, always like a little glitch and I know there's probably an answer somewhere in like the quantum physics. No, world, I don't, but I sure don't think that there is. I think that every story kind of uses its own model for time travel and you kind of just have to, I think it comes down to me like that. Like, well, I guess we're just going to make it work. But to me, the time turner actually was the first time that it really elegantly clicked because spoilers for Harry Potter and the Prisoner <laughs> of Azkaban, uh, Hermione takes a time turner. She goes and does all this shit and then she goes right back to the moment where she was going to leave time. So she replaces that Hermione. So now, like she, I always almost yeah. feel like that she stole that Hermione's life, but that Hermione is going to steal a different Hermione's life and, okay. and there's always going to be one displaced Hermione. She sometimes had like three classes at the same time, so I'm just curious. Like, did they all meet? Did you she? know, different, okay. different story, so different anyway, world, we got different, different time travel here. But I almost feel like they kind of that becomes the climax of this story because. Yeah, I mean, they built this nice contraption from an exercise bike and some iPads and <laughs> a hat, and the dog is pretty awesome. The don't, dog don't is good. just yeah. This dog. Definitely helped out. We can you see know what that. I think his name is what is this? Hot, Hot dog. dog. Hot yeah. dog. Yeah, yes, right? I saw that because he's clearly helping out at one point. But they're sleeping. But he's a smart dog. Yeah. So I think it's all. I think that dog is a that good, dog's good boy. work. Yeah. But you know, time travel is fishy and like spoilers. Jughead sees himself and Archie, and that always causes some chaos. Whether yeah, you think it get, does or not. Yeah. No, like, they go like. They they are rocking out with their guitars out on yeah. that one because they are time traveling and within minutes they run into the time like the jughead of the time that they're in and like that's the one thing you don't want to do. Have you seen Back to the Future? Yeah, you know I've seen it <laughs> you, <laughs> long ago. You look like you haven't seen Back to the Future. I've seen it. Okay, just when I was like ten, and it's been a while. That's some good time travel. Sorry. <laughs> Did you know that I love time travel? 
I knew you liked some traveling in time. I love just I love the you know the hijinks that come up. What I think what I love about time travel is sort of uh, what you were just talking about, which is that I really like that you kind of always have to figure out the rules of that story's time travel because the whole thing I don't know that it's mechanically holds up. I don't know it, <laughs> if yeah. time travel works. Well, maybe. clearly something went wrong here because they got the police involved, the time travel police. Right. Right? And that's our yeah. final page is the time travel police says, Jughead Jones, you're making a mistake. Come to the future with me. And that time travel police is probably some sort of relative to Archie. Oh, I didn't think about that. You know, what, Did they have what's their name? Hair? They totally Their do. name is... Oh, her name... Gosh, where is it? I think it's right here. Pendleton Jones. Forsyth Pendleton No, that's him. Jones. And then... Oh, my gosh. I knew... But she's got freckles and orange hair. She totally... I didn't think about it, but she totally looks like Archie's daughter. I, I swear they said her name. I swear. Well, that was a very good call. Good pull. Oh, right here. McAndrews. Oh. Head of the time police. Oh. So that's next week's issue. So, some relation... So, Possibly. how did you feel about the art being so close to Squirrel Girl? Did you like that? Um, it was definitely noticeable after having just realized that it's the same artist. Um, but it's a good, I like the style. Um, you know, good, happy, happy art. It is. It's happy. <laughs> it's fun. It's inconsequential. Like, there's not, like, you're not reinventing the wheel, but it's totally solid. Mm-hmm. And... It reminds me very much of Squirrel Girl at times. I mean, obviously, just because I'm only you know familiar with that real work. Mm -hmm. There's uh, the scene where Archie is very into Betty's uh, outfit. Athleisure wear. Athleisure is that right? wear. Yeah. <laughs> Get it right. Uh, what did you What did you give it? Um, you know, uh, with my my love of time travel, <laughs> probably like a six and a half. Okay. You know. Okay. Yeah. I'll go six and a half. So if you were right. walking into a comic store and you had read issue number one, would you want to read issue number two? I want to see what happens. Um, and I mean, I love I love the Archie guys, the Archie comics, through my Riverdale exposure. So they're they're good kids. They're always up to something. So I'd be curious to see what happens. The future's in peril. Yeah, the like, future's in peril. Okay, I would. Did I give a score? Yeah. Okay, I said the same, I think. Yeah. 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 Okay, well, now we've got a good segment. It's called Sam on the Street. Uh, n uh, nose in the air, looking at unnatural in athleisure wear. I don't know. That was... That, <laughs> I'll do a better one. I'll fix it in post. But you've been reading all of Unnatural. We haven't talked about too much about it. Issue 10 came out this week. It sure did. Will you tell me what this story is about? You don't need to, you know, like... Yeah, the in-depth issue by issue thing, but like, what what is the overarching thing of this story? Um, well, I mean, it starts with the interspecies. They do not approve of any animals being in a relationship with any other animal than themselves. So that's a big thing, I think, to note from the beginning, which is probably already. And that's been like noted the government. The this is like a future. It's a very future. It's in New York. You know, it's like. New York, but with Rourke. Okay, 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 okay. I get it. Um, but yeah, so that's the big, big thing. When you get caught with another animal, then you get put into these weird programs where they try to make you brainwashed into your own animal. So that's a big, big thing that's throughout. So that kind of plays into what happens with Leslie. 
um, as she kind of goes throughout her adventure. If anyone's been reading it, clearly there's been a lot of loss. There's some weird things happening with this white wolf albino. Who is the white wolf? Do we know? It's, it's we still the, don't know? We The hot, hot wolf butt man? It's the albino wolf. He is not capable. I just found out that I missed issue six, which is a really important one with some backstory in it. Because I was still like, I don't know who this albino is. I don't know what Leslie has to do with this. Like, I kind of get it. But then reading issue six, you're like, oh, that makes sense. There's a whole page and a half or two of <laughs> this backstory. It. So that was really nice to read today because, yeah. But you, the albino is not capable of loving. And, like, he's he's alone. So he's, like, this big, powerful entity. And... When I was reading at the beginning, she was having these, like very hot and spicy dreams about that wolf Mm -hmm. why was why was she i don't think she realized like she knew that those were happening but she didn't realize till later that she played a part in it so like she is either she is this woman pig bess who's from long long ago or she has the bloodline of bess which was this lover sacrifice of the people of Tijou, I think it is. Is that um, where the sad wolves live? This is where that all takes place, this original history. Okay. So I think before she realized that's what's going on, it was just these weird fantasies that were happening, and then she started to like notice more detail and be like, wait, this isn't just a fantasy. This is kind of like real. Maybe Something, this could be my past. A, okay, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So she's going through a lot. Um, and yeah, she lost her best friends and everyone thinks she killed them because that's just how they're strewing it and then there's this person called the glance who's like pretty oh, pretty that's interesting the, that's like the, the mask yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah and we find out at one point that it's actually her mom oh so a natural spoilers yeah sorry um no, but i mean this is issue 10 like yeah you find out in like or seven or eight i think that it's her mom so um but yeah, still trying to figure out why her mom wants to take her. Well, I think she, her mom wants the powers that she has, um, and like because yeah, Leslie has this albino wolf in her that's trying to like combine with her and become her so he can he's reawaken. Of her? Yeah, he's oh, like wow. in her. So whenever you see all like the blue bubbles, that's him communicating with everyone and then she befriend well she doesn't really befriend right away but this this wolf named call cal k-h-a-l however you want to say it and saya this other creature i want to say hedgehog could be anything you know whatever you want um they kind of save her at one point but she just can't trust anyone especially this wolf creature but you can see there's a connection building between the two of them but this this albino wolf is really trying to um, hurt everyone around her and just take control. So, what I liked about the beginning of it was she seems to have stayed true about it. Is it's creating a world and characters and laws within that system that seemed like like indirect or, or pretty good metaphors for certain like things right now. You know, just like uh, like transitioning or you know like. A, homosexuality or like you know a a community that's dictated by Mm -hmm. people who have a single belief system and that you can't do anything outside of that does it seem like there's still like 
these metaphors that seem to be a big part of the beginning, does it seem like this story is largely about talking about those sorts of issues? Or has it actually taken on more of a life of a, a single narrative now? Because I guess I'm curious, like, you know, what is it, a, you know, the about about at its core, what do you think? So, yeah, like a point in this issue where... Uh, forget what Leslie's mom is the glance she's this creature mask person um she's talking and she's talking to this other pig man that she has some feelings for and she says at that moment the new perfect world will be born the world we've always dreamt of the world we deserve so there's clearly like she's trying to and is that in her time about like when they can be when they can have all this power to like because she's had it shows her whole backstory like we keep getting glimpse of her backstory and like she's gone through a lot of different situations and she at one point does become like fall in love with a lion man but mm-hmm. he event uh, like abandons her and gets married and then she's just so i think there's something tied into that potentially think, are they rebelling ab- against i think the, she w- like sort of s- rule structure that dictates who they get to be in relationships with i think she wants it more of a perfect world where all the species are with their own species. Okay, so she's working for the bad guys. Then, yeah, were, I don't think she's mind. really technically... That's what I'm getting from it. Okay. Um, I think through her experiences, maybe... She, yeah, she's just trying to create this perfect world and take this power that her daughter conveniently has right now. Huh. So mom and daughter are at odds with one another. Yeah, but... So, Mirka Andolfo writes, draws, colors. She does, like, all of this book, and she totally rules. Uh, Dino, who's a listener, is, like, a huge fan of her. Um, Do you like this? Yeah. I really, really enjoy the art in this, just the whole theme. Like, you can clearly tell when it's, like, a thought, a memory. Um, Yeah, it's a very... Very fun one to keep up with. It's, it's yeah, it's got some beautiful art in it. Um, it's got a good story, I think. And I'm really curious to see where it goes. Poor little Piff at the end. Oh, I don't yeah, know we what. got character death in there. Uh, he might not, or I guess she. It's comics, they, so. um, cute little Piff, the little dino, was trying to protect Leslie, but... Piff down. Piff down. Yeah, it seems like a really progressive book. I really like that it exists, and I think it's absolutely gorgeous. I think it's cool and written in, like, the issues, I think, being done uh, by, like, a woman. I think she's Italian. Um, you know, makes it even more powerful than if it was, you know, obviously some guy writing it. So, I'm lo- I love that it comes out. I love that you kept up with it. Yeah, it's been a good one. What do you give, what do you give the issue and the series as a whole? The, I would give the series as a whole a 9.25, um, and this issue probably like 9. Wow. Yeah. You hear that, folks? She did a 0.25. That's fucking good. Yeah. That's unheard of. I like that. Um, okay, cool. Thanks, Sam. Mm-hmm. Can we talk for a second about Spider-Man life story number four, the 90s? Yes, you may, Jeff, because she didn't read it. (laughs) Give her a hard time. To be fair, we were shorted nine copies, which means I ordered 40 and I got 31. And I had 25 people who had asked for it. (laughs) 
Um, have I talked to you at all about this? Do you know what the conceit of this Spider-Man life story is? I'm guessing it's based in the 90s, so it's 90s Spider-Man. Only kind of. Okay. Issue number one. So the idea is it's a story about Spider-Man if he aged. Ooh. So issue number one was the 60s. Number two was the 70s. Three, the 80s. Four, the 90s. Whoa. They all take place about 10 years apart. And it follows Peter as he's getting older. It's written by Chip Zdarsky and Mark Bagley has been doing the art. And Mark Bagley is as 90s as an artist could get. So you're pretty accurate. Like this is the 90s and it looks like the 90s. Is Chip the sex criminals guy? Yeah. Okay. He does the art in sex criminals. Okay. He's writing Daredevil right now. He's writing uh, this. He's writing a ton of stuff, actually. He finished a, a big Spider-Man run that was really good. So sex criminals has really slowed down, but mm-hmm. he's been writing a lot for Dude. Marvel. Nice. Um, and he's actually really, really great. So, we've talked about this uh, series quite a bit on the podcast, so I'm not going to go into it too far. But I just, isn't that kind of a cool story idea? Mm-hmm. Like. Is it the Peter Parker one? Yeah. Like, it's, it's yeah, following him? Yeah, it's not him? Miles. Yeah, okay. yeah. Like, it's cool to watch this character who is eternally kind of the young superhero. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's fun to see him get older and see the what being a superhero does to him. Like so is he like actually aging? Yeah, and, like, yeah, he's getting these old years? and he's bummed out. So is he in like his forties or fifties at this point? No, he's if in like sixties. In the sixties, in his teens. Okay. So he's like yeah, fifty or sixty. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I think I think probably about fifty. Mm-hmm. He's getting old, uh, not sixty, but old. Uh, sorry to all of our older listeners. <laughs> but, uh, and, yeah, they've just done a great job of sort of taking this character who is eternally kind of the upbeat, jokey character and aging him. Because Spider-Man is also, while he's the quippy character, he's also the one who's laden with the most guilt. You know, like, Uncle Ben died. Gwen Stacy died. Uh, Norman Osborn. The Clone Saga. He didn't know who he was. And a, it's it's interesting to see what all of that does to a person in their life and it does slowly start to break them i wouldn't say it's been a complaint because i really like this book but a thing that hurts about this book is it is painful to watch this character have bad stuff happen to him and has have him sort of slowly succumb to you know the shit that happens to you with age but what also is really cool about it is they have taken all like you know these 50 60 years of spider-man and um taken all of the events that happened and kind of squished it into his life they, they try to draw one person's lifespan and have all of that happen you know how i will sometimes babble about grant morrison and batman and he he took 75 years of batman and made it all fit in one person's life mm-hmm. this book really does that with spider-man and, nice and i think that's really really cool and uh yeah in this issue some brutal stuff happens but ultimately peter because earlier he was cloned Oh. And they thought the clone was really Peter, but then they found out that the one they thought was the clone was Peter. Mm-hmm. And this one, he gets tricked into believing that he's actually the clone. He's going to kill himself or something. Hmm. But anyway, he like basically recruits the, who was the clone to take his life over, and he's going to go be with Mary Jane, mm. who is he's gotten divorced with, and he's going to raise their kids, who are like kids now. But she had left him because he was being Spider-Man, so oh. he leaves Spider-Man behind. And it seems like now maybe... Uh, Ben Riley, who is the clone, will become Spider-Man. Just cool stuff. Yeah. Just really cool comic booking and, and changing what it means to be a comic book. So is this going to be like a long 
thing or just like a short thing and end when it's, time ends it's, for people? It's six or seven issues. Okay. Um, I think the 2010s are his final one or maybe the 2000s. So that'll be interesting. Well, no, the, yeah, there's. I think it's six issues. I think it's going to go to the 2010s. Should be a pretty, pretty interesting thing, and it would be really cool to read if you haven't read it like me. Yeah. Um, just Spider Man's a cool guy. I've been with him through Tobey Maguire, and, <laughs> <laughs> and I've seen his Andrew much, Garfield you know. years, and I was there for the Tom Holland. <laughs> he's he's been through a lot, and yeah, it'd be neat to kind of go through the years with him. Can I ask you a question? Sure. Who is your... Do you have a favorite superhero? I know you're not super into the superheroes. Superhero in general? Yeah, yeah. Superhero or heroine, male or female. I mean, Squirrel Girl's pretty awesome. She is awesome. She's unbeatable, in fact. Yeah, unbeatable. And, you know, she's just, like, going to school, doing the squirrel thing. Like, just precious. Just precious. And that bushy tail. You know, she's a sweet, 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 friendly character. Even, yeah, in the book, she's just... Such a sweet character. I give this issue of Spider-Man um, an eight, and it's great. Everyone should keep reading it, and that's a great transition to Unbeatable Squirrel Girl, especially in this issue. Go for it. Whew. Um, you know, this is Squirrel Girl. I don't know a ton about it. I'm not going to fake it. I mean, I've read a solid 10 or 15 or more issues randomly throughout, but the cover has... Erica Henderson, yeah, the original she artist doing all the covers. for the cover, which is cool. Um, and that squirrel unicorn. I don't know why the squirrel has a horn, but I think it's like very an cute. ancient. It's like in some mythology that squirrel is like the earth spirit or, or something, or maybe Norse mythology. Roman was telling me about it because well, it's I can't. I'm gonna butcher this name. Rachel Rata Ratatusker. Yeah. Rata, it's a it's she's related to the Norse and I, Norse folk. And Roman telling me about that character, I think that's where like Ratata, the Pokemon Ratata or Ratata, I think that's where that name comes that from. That could make sense. But yeah, so she's like gosh, you know. Oof, I'm looking at these pages and that is a oh, lot I of love words. It. I love the little like recap at the oh, beginning. Like it's so great. Um so what's going on in this issue? This is tying into War of the Realms, right? Sure. So, sure. yeah. Okay, cool. So you were able to enjoy it without keeping up with the big main Marvel event and stuff? Oh, yeah. No, it was great. Um, I like Rachel's cool blonde little hair streak. She's like this bad little lady with her feathery black outfit and just a, a smack talker, I think, as our friend Squirrel Girl. What is What does she call her? So she calls her Scarlet instead of Doreen, which is kind of fun. Just switching it up a little bit. But she's, uh, Rachel is a feisty, feisty lady. Um, At one point, Squirrel Girl, Scarlet, Doreen, whatever you want to call her, is like not interested in being friends and like working as a team anymore. Whoa, that seems counter to the Squirrel Girl way. Yeah, it's, there's, oh gosh, she says something there's definitely a big fight that happens. Um, she's like, if you're not helping or interested in helping people, if you're really just doing this for the lols, then I'm sorry, but I'm really don't want to. I don't think we should be on the same team anymore. And she, yeah, they just start to get in this little fight, which is weird because Squirrel Girl, I don't think, is into the fighting much. She's, not. she's very, very happy go friendly. 
and they just split up and she 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 ends up like regretting something she says or like she says it's like the meanest thing she's ever said to someone yeah she says oh i think my life would have been better without you in it and that's the meanest thing i've ever said to anyone bye forever so like that's a powerful moment that's a big big thing so they just like part ways as rachel the this squirrel character and goes back to these frost frost giants i think they are um don't know much about them. They seem kind of silly. They talk about frost a lot. They're yeah. talking about their favorite powers with the the frost. So but what do you like about Squirrel Girl? You've always dug her. She's just rad. She's got a good heart. Um, just a nice little fun-loving squirrel kind of. Her stealth squirrel outfit in this very is cool. so fucking cool. Very cool. And at this point, we've moved forward a little bit and she kind of starts talking to herself because she's alone in the forest and i think that that might be a batman year one reference Mm, very well could be um i'm just joking i'm just making a joke i don't know i don't either (laughs) yes yes um but you know in the forest with snow falling she can hear the snow falling and then she looks up a robert frost poem so that goes on was it like yeah it's like the snowy woods house thing and it's just the whole poem yeah it's a nice peaceful little scene a little deer comes up and then daisy throws them across the world because squirrel girl has an idea and they get over to Churchill, which is nice. where they need to go. And so, like, a whole nother little story is about to happen. They see more frost giants. They're trying to hide. Whew. It, it seems pretty fun. I'd like to... They, they're little people. They look like berries. I liked... Yeah, they're, like, they're drawing these missing person things. Great stuff. Uh, good things. Do I don't know much reading? about it. I would like to keep reading it. Yeah. I would. So what do you give it? Probably give it, like... Eight and a half? Yeah, that's your highest score yet. I think I gave it 9.25, right? Oh, yeah, sorry, sorry, sorry. Sorry. You did, yeah. No, you're right, 9.25. Jeez, I forgot that you gave the series of Unnatural Numbers. You're totally right. <laughs> now, let's... I think we should see if we can get one other extra person on the line to talk about this next book. Yes, please. Let's see. Let's see if we can get the man himself. Hey, buddy. Hey, Django. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. You sound pretty sultry. Well, you know, I've been laying here in New Orleans with the fan on, <laughs> drinking whiskey in this weird half bunk bed. <laughs> How is the half bunk bed? Uh, it's fine. It's a little noisy. <laughs> and uh, my side table is uh, a stove. Oh, is it covered in comics? No, no, I've been keeping the comics next to the bed, like in a little slot between the bed and the wall. Okay. Um, but man, I've been reading a lot of comics. I would love to get a photo of that room at some point. I'll send it to you. Hey, listen, I got Sam Kaneshka on the line here. Oh, hey, Sam, how's it going? Oh, good. It's nice to hear your voice, Django. <laughs> did you Did you read a lot of comics? Oh, yeah, at least seven. There, there are a lot of comics this week. Um, Sam, what did you love this week? Oh, oh man. Um, I mean, Unnatural is good. I like Squirrel Girl, even with the crossover. Are you still reading Unnatural, Django? Uh, I'm about two or three issues behind. I, I was still digging it when I left off, but then I think I missed an issue. and um, That's one of, the, one of the only books that I saw in the stands this week in New Orleans that I didn't pick up. Mm. Yeah. You don't want to miss an issue with that one. Yeah, Sam was. No, it's, it happened 
<laughs> yeah, Sam realized she missed an issue with it and uh, went back and found it today and, and solved the riddle. Yeah, yeah it gets, it gets uh, kind of confusing pretty quickly. Hey, Django, did you read Wonder Twins? Oh, fuck yeah, that was great. And it got picked up for another six issues. Nice. Was it only... Okay, I'm glad that it was... I didn't know that it was in that dire of straits to begin with. Well, I think it was designed to be a six-issue series, and they uh, extended it to 12. Okay, thank goodness. Yeah. This yeah, one was heavy, though. Funny stuff in it. Yeah, but, like, that's that's what he does. Yeah. Man, like, it, it, this, is, this, is, uh, this is like Flintstones level... Uh, slapstick mixed with political commentary. I think it's my favorite thing he's done. This one? Uh, well, this series so far. I don't know if I like this issue quite as much as the last one or the yeah. one before it, but this one clearly was like written to be two parts, and I think that's very cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With uh, with red flag and everything. Yeah, and the scrambler scrambling everybody's brain. And yep. he, he sent all the people, he's been sending people to the Phantom Zone and like the disc from Superman the movie. <laughs> and they're all, they're all there. Yeah, dug that, <laughs> dug that. I love that uh, Lex Luthor's TV station is just all bald. People. They all, Yeah, yeah, they're all bald and look like him. Um, <laughs> hey, Django, really quickly, what were your thoughts on Event Leviathan? I liked it pretty well. Here. I seriously have like the biggest stack of comics in a long time. Oh yeah, well we have a comic shop over here. Oh yeah. <laughs> so I, I bet our I, to... I bet our stack's bigger than your stack. I went to two comic stores to get all my comics. I went to uh, BSI Comics in Metairie, and I went to um, Crescent City Comics in New Orleans, and uh, and found like a dozen books at each of them. Um, I did like Event Le Leviathan. I thought that, uh, I don't know, I don't really care about all of the different agencies. Yeah, me neither. Um, and I think that this is kind of maybe a, a way for them to sort of uh, consolidate all those guys and, and bring them down into just just one or two that kind of makes sense. Um, I, I wouldn't mind a little more... I guess a little more story in here this this feels like not really a recap but just a here's here's where we're at like a zero thing. issue you might say eh, not even a zero issue <laughs> it's just like kind of kind of telling everybody what they already told us um with a couple new things what i was what i mentioned earlier on here was that it made me incredibly hungry for a series that's just like a buddy cop procedural between lois and batman I would do Lois and Batman. I would also do Green Arrow and Lois and Batman. Yeah, he was in there too. Uh, I, I just, think that's what this is going to be. I mean, I'm, and I'm super into that. Just like these two, like Lois and Batman, who just the main thing they have in common is that they both are good, good buddies with this like Ophi perfect man. Yeah, yeah, totally. Must be a lot like uh, you and Justin. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, Roman is like a super uber... <laughs> Zabadoo. Okay, so what was your favorite book of the week? Oh, jeez. Um, let, me, let me flip through them here. I really, really enjoyed Superman number 12. Okay. I thought that was uh, nearly, nearly the best comic I've read. Um, I actually enjoyed the ride number one, which kind of surprised me. Yeah, uh, we sold out of it. Everyone turns out liked that more than the zero people that subscribed to it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I also like Gunning for Hits a lot, but I mean, man, 
Superman number 12 did some things I've never seen before with, with Superman or with the comic. I, I agree, especially with, in terms of Superman. I had never seen them do, like, the yeah, the, the, them flashing away from the battle for a second. Yeah, and having, like, a long conversation that doesn't really end in a way that, that it like, it's not a satisfying conversation for either of them. No. And I think it was really, really well done. And, and like, when I saw them blur out for a second, I was like, oh, that's... I don't know what the fuck happened. I know. I, I stared it and I, I looked at that like three times. Like, what were they trying to do? What the? And then when, like, I'm glad that they paid off in the, in the same issue because if they waited an issue to tell us what had happened, I would have forgotten that I was totally confused. Yeah, me three too. Pages. Um, but yeah, man, that that was an awesome issue. Um, the ride was super solid. Just the, I don't know, it's, it's just that Django crime noir stuff that I like so mm. much. Right? Sam, Django likes a jangly crime book. Yeah, did you read it, Sam? The Ride? No. No, we sold no. out. Oh, well, I'll bring you one. Okay. Good. Bring us the Adam Hughes cover. Uh, yeah, I will. That's what I have. <laughs> it's, uh, it's also, it's written by the guy that did Plastic. Yeah, and Adam Hughes did five pages of art on the backup. Well, all right, man. Well, listen, we're going to get back. We're going to finish up a Wonder Twins combo. Did you read Five Years? I did. Did you guys read Five Years? Yeah. Yo! Yeah! That's you didn't Barry. read it, Sam? No, that's Barry. He said, yeah. Oh, Barry. Hey, Django. Hi, Barry. <laughs> <laughs> I got you. I miss you so much, Barry. Oh, I've always missed you. <laughs> All right, dude. Well, hey, listen. Uh, we'll see you at work tomorrow? Uh, yeah, I'll be there tomorrow. If by tomorrow you mean in like a week and a fucking half. Oh, man, I can't wait. <laughs> All right, I'll see you. Uh, can I be on the podcast when I get home? Oh, please, buddy. You are the podcast when you get home. <laughs> please. Okay. Jeez. All right. All right. Good. I can't wait to hear this, uh, like, like I'm just a regular person. I hope that this audio worked with, with this shitty voice. phone call quality. <laughs> All right. See you, dude. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. God, that's a great freaking guy right there. I mean, I love him, but I just don't get it. I don't get why I love him so much. He's crazy. Um... So yeah, that was Wonder Twins number five by Mark Russell and, uh, Stephen Byrne. Did you like? Can I hear your thoughts on this? Um, we, we that went off into obviously a different direction. But Sam, I just want to know as somebody just do dropped into Wonder Twins and I, did you like it? I, my suspicion would be that it is kind of a Sam book. Um, I know you've said that some of the other ones are like super, like pretty awesome ones to jump into, and this yeah. one had its. I just don't feel like I knew everyone enough at this point sure. to jump in and issue five. Um, I would like to definitely see what's going on um like yeah this was the first one that was like a two-part issue mm -hmm. um but it, it has a lot to do with uh like social issues i guess mm -hmm, um, definitely and i like the way he packages that into a sort of mainstream dc comic mm -hmm. which was really cool but i would like to know a little more background with what's yeah. going on because i really don't know the wonder twins very well no no one so. does no one does Five they were in a 70s in superhero cartoon show mm -hmm. and like not really much else no one really knows them yeah they're so just I, total offers but the ending of it made me curious to read more so maybe i'll dive into the beginning at some point yeah yeah well what'd you give it um six and a half yeah i would give that one um, a 7.5 or an 8. I, I really liked it, and I'm excited to see the second part of it. I think the series is is really, really good. I think it probably works way better to read it from the beginning and not drop in on it. Um, 
but I do love the way he just sort of packages uh, what it means to be good or decent. And this seemed like a kind of conversation about Trump at times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's definitely like the power to change. The people that have the power don't want to change the world because they're like fine with it. But like, because it benefits them because yeah. they have the power. So that was the ending definitely spoke some, some mad truth. Yeah, I, I really liked that. You're right. That, that phrase is really so good. And, and I think the way that. I think it's really cool to be able to be writing a superhero comic book and send those issues out there, mm-hmm. like trying to have a conversation about, yeah, like the status quo is the way it is because the people who have power are in a system that gives them power so they wouldn't want to change it. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important to realize that. And a lot of people don't realize that. Mm-hmm. So it's cool to try and use comic books to get these important issues across. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I want to see what happens with the scrambling of everybody. The girl's dad, like, died. I'm glad he didn't die. But yeah. like, that was a bummer. Yeah. Yeah. Jane is a total badass. I think you'd like her. Nice. All right, well, let's just quickly stop by Five Years Number 2, written and drawn by Terry Moore, before we get on out of here. Um, we were going to have a snack break, but I too think Too late that for that. It's too late for that. We're just going to have snacks while we watch uh, a documentary that um, an awesome listener had donated to us. Ryan Russell, thank you for letting us borrow Pripyat, if I'm pronouncing it right, about the Chernobyl thing. Can't mm-hmm. wait to Very watch this. Very excited to That's where we're that headed out. right after this. Yeah. It's going to be good. Well, not good. I mean, But it'll be be interesting. Yeah. So, Sam, five years. This is a series that follows up a different series that followed up a different series after 25 years. So what did you think? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, I would have really liked to have read the first one, although this one, like, you can still jump into it, I think, although you're missing whatever happened in the previous one. But it's just a completely different little bit but first off i'd like to appreciate the art in this um i'm a fan of color i really like color but this is all black and white and just very very intricate lines just very beautifully drawn so that's definitely one thing that was like kind of shocking at first opening it being like there's no color but also like it's beautiful without it it doesn't really need it um but yeah it was um can you give me a 60-second recap? You know, there's. I'm pretty sure Zoe is this little, this 10-year-old who dies at one point due to some illness. Um, and then she comes back. But over 50 years, she's kind of stuck in this perpetual 10-year-old state in 1960-something Russia during, like, the time of the Cold War. Um, and this other individual, Rachel, another Rachel, um, comes along kind of shows up curious she doesn't have any breath coming out of her like is i didn't she, notice that you're right the like whole he time comments she's not on breathing. it but like you can clearly see that everyone else has a breath like because it's it's cold it's russia winter time it looks like snow is falling yeah. cold cold times so yeah she doesn't have any breath coming out of her there's also some weird like stuff along her neck um looks like some somebody stitched her up or something good but something must have happened with her um, but yeah, they find this dude that has these names and he's trying to be like, y'all give me more money. And they're like, no, you're getting what you're getting. And they snip his Achilles, which dude, is painful. Dude, I was reading this nice to Sam on the couch and I turned the page and they cut this dude's Achilles tenant because he's trying to like blackmail him. 
Oh, oh, oh just some is... hedging shears. You know, your oh. typical like you're cutting the rose bush. You're cutting the the, the I had bushes to, like, out. Yeah, rub oh. my ankles after reading it. Like the oh, it was yeah. so bad. It's such a vivid Achilles tendon cut. Yeah, they don't. Sh- well, I mean, I guess they show it underwater, but like they don't show the initial one. Just like the word "snap" getting cut in half, yeah. which is enough. Um, but yeah, they get the names. Um, I believe. Well, they get the names while they're wrestling in the water. Yeah. And she sticks her thumb into Ooh. the wound of his cut Achilles tendon. Gross. Um, no offense if that's happened to you. I'm sorry. Um, but, you know, they get the names. They're walking. And then some dude just stabs Rachel, the one that's not really breathing or doesn't show any air, cold air coming out. They stab her in the thigh. Hits a big old artery or the, the big one. The big yeah. one that bleeds a lot. And... <laughs> So the little girl, Zoe, who's not a little girl, she's been around for like decades, um, follows the dude, looks like he's some sort of priest, um, kills him in the church for this this thing, person, mom, a lie that like feasts off of dead bodies um, in the death. And so, yeah, also we forgot to mention that the names they're looking for is some creators of this bomb, the Phi Bomb, which yeah. I looked it up. Couldn't find anything on the five bomb so, in particular. Is it like an atom bomb type thing? So, and yeah, she, or did got, I miss she just this? brought us up to the very end of this. So yeah. now I'll provide context. <laughs> Thank you. So, Strangers in Paradise was a book that came out 25 years ago. And it was written and drawn, and everything was done by Terry Moore. He did the whole thing himself. Um, after that ended, he wrote it forever. After it ended, he did a book called Rachel Rising, which seems totally oh. unrelated. It's about this girl. Uh, Rachel? Yeah, who dies and then comes back to life, and they're trying to figure this out. That actually came out right after a book called Echo, which is about a girl who's got this cyborg. It's a sci-fi espionage thriller. Um, What happened with... Ultimately, what happened recently is he has kind of created this larger narrative that links up all of these different series he's done for the last 30 years. So in this issue, we brought the Rachel Rising characters, Zoe and Rachel, into this Strangers in Paradise Mm -hmm. story, which is at the end of that Strangers in Paradise 25, the anniversary series that came out, they learn that there's this bomb that's going to happen in five years. And it's called a phi bomb. And what it does is it takes oxygen and it causes it to explode and creates a chain reaction with all oxygen around it. And it's going to kill all life because mm-hmm. everything is, or it's like a carbon thing. So everything with carbon or everything with oxygen Either is going to die. Yeah. yeah. Um, so this is the story of how those people spend the last five years of their life. So these are the Rachel characters. The for, the last one we did were some of the Strangers in Paradise characters. And I think it's all going to sort of link up in some really cool way. Um, I just think that's so awesome. I think it's so cool that he is writing he's kind of turned his life's work into he had all these separate stories but he's created it this big larger story and it's kind of the story of his life's work and i, I think that's so cool mm-hmm. tying it all in i'm sure if you've read them all and I, or at yeah. least bits and pieces of everything it'd be pretty neat to see it and I've tied in so many years later a handful of issues more we talked about the first issue of this on the podcast we mm-hmm. talked about the first issue of the anniversary of strangers in paradise episode and then i've read the first like 10 issues of strangers in paradise mm-hmm. but i love his art just like you said like it's sketchy and penciled and black and white but it, everyone looks real and they all have these lived-in personalities and they're all real body shapes and they're all like they're just i think it's perfect i think he's 
an amazing artist and a great writer. Mm-hmm. Is Terry Moore doing the art too? Yeah, he does all cool. of it. Yeah, very cool. Were you able to like kind of vibe with those characters even having just sort of dropped in out of nowhere? Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, I'd be curious to see what the first one is about, but this one also started like a first issue of something as well. Yeah. So it's not like too much seemed to be missing. Um, but yeah, it was good one to jump into yeah so what do you give it give it like seven and a half yeah yeah i go seven and a half too i like that mm-hmm. um what'd you think of all this oh yeah do you want to talk forget for about gogor let's talk about gogor number G-Gore, two however you want to say yeah, it. yeah you read gogor number two give me some of that i would love to read gogor number one um but this this dude ken Garing does everything in it art color like when I opened the thing, it looked like he did everything I in think it. So. He's, um, it was just a cute, I mean, not cute, but it was just, it had like these giant bumblebees, kind of like beedrill type creatures Pokemon with these bad guys folks. on the back and like this big old Gagore who's hulkish, but like kind of covered in earth and happy greens and all that fun stuff has like a poison breath, is able to like, hurt all of these what i think we later find out are domus people who are like taking over this other area but oh boy howdy there's a really precious giant shrew in it there's some some person named armano who i think the shrew belongs to and then there's this cute little dino reptile dude named wexel so is it like a children's adventure story i mean i or think like it's it seem older than children a or? little older than children maybe like young adult like Okay. 16, 15 plus. Um, just cute. Like, they go to this... Gogor and Armano go to this, um, like, Bogwell Major place, which is, like, this really boggy, marshy area. And at one point, this big old giant Gogor gets lost... Or, like, he disappears into this marshy bog and this, what? like... Is he just the friend of this character? No, he, like, it? shows up... Uh, so, I think what I missed from the first book is they stole these scrolls, this Armano and Wexel and the Shrew stole this scroll of some sort of importance. And apparently that scroll can awaken like this power that can take out the Domus people. Um, it's like dangerous. It unlocks this secret power, which I'm assuming is Gogor. Because he could tie these people into a knot and throw them back to their original place. So they stole something in this first one that we don't really know unless you've read it. So you would probably know, but um, Gogor really wants to go to this one area. The other two, the Shrew and Wexel, are like, "Nah, we're gonna keep going past that because we can't get through it." But it's just really cute. They uh, meet these little people, these little boggy forest people that are—they remind me of hobbits from like <laughs> Lord of the Rings. They're just super friendly, love to eat, love to like just have company, share their stories. One of them's named Lem. Just this precious little forest bog marsh. Do they? Uh, can you compare it to any piece of fiction? Does it feel closest to Lord of the Rings? I mean, the little bog marsh people felt closest to Lord of the Rings. Just their welcoming spirits. Um, otherwise, it's just kind of like a. It's a lot of different worlds. A lot of different like. Pretty fantasy. Very fantasy. Okay. Very fantasy. Um, there's this period called the blotted age where everyone kind of doesn't really know what went on. It's very dark, very like the bog people kind of got split up and some of them were working to like produce this grain. That Sam, was... you have 
I have an extensive notes on this notes one. I thought it was real this. cute, and it was the first one I read of the day, so I was like, I gotta take good notes. Um, so what do you give it? I would I would give it like a seven, seven and a half. Um, the Gogor, they get to this thing that Gogor was looking for, which at first I was like tetrahedron. That's like a twenty-sided die. Yeah, something like that. It's like a shape, but it's actually an individual. Ooh. So they get to that at the end of this one. And the quest really begins then, I think. Okay, cool. Um, so, yeah, it was a fun one. Just want to throw a shout out to, to our buddy Gogor. Go- Gogor is what I'm going to call him. I, yes. <laughs> I'm sure I like it's that. Gogor. I, I, like, but I like what you're doing more. I like Gogor. Um, damn, dude. You did it. You did a whole podcast. <laughs> I was here the whole time I was actually speaking for her. Um, you did a I pretty good job of being quiet, Bear. Threw my voice into hers somehow. <laughs> you can't really tell. Bear, your face is all wrinkled. <laughs> Thanks for joining me on my podcast. Bear, called... this is your podcast. This is Django's podcast. Oh, crap. Sorry, Django. Love you. <laughs> <laughs> We've got ish- episode 140 coming up. And uh, what we really want to do for that is an all questions episode. We want to do all voicemails or all emails or all questions that you come into the store and ask us. So please, please, Sam, get them to send us an email at info at the with subject papcast. Um, or, you know, anything. But I really like the idea of you doing that. Um, you could also send us a voicemail. No one will answer the phone. It will go straight to a voicemail after it rings a couple times. It is the phone number that is 1-619-663-7336. We super want um, a lot of voicemails and a lot of questions for that. So we've already gotten some. Hugely appreciative. We'd love to have you know, a sort of long conversation for that. And then 10 episodes after that, we're doing a live episode for episode 150. Sam, are you going to come to that? I hope so. Yeah. If I, I am awake. And if you're not working. Um, but yeah, episode 150, we're going to talk more about that as it gets a little bit closer, but I think we're going to be doing that live in the comic shop. And I think... Um, I'll be there! Barry will be there. He'll be the only one under 21 because I think we'll be serving alcohol, <laughs> um, which will be a lot of fun. So we look forward to everyone being there. Thanks again for listening. Thanks again, Sam, for being on this podcast with me this week. Yeah, thanks for letting me blab about things I don't know very well. Thanks for being the voice of people who don't spend their entire lives reading comic books. I think it's super, super important for people to um, really get down on the idea that you don't have to know a ton of stuff about comics to enjoy them. You can just uh, you can just read comics. Um, and then we need to get out of here because there's a cat on the counter over there and we have to hiss and clap to get him off. So I'm Jeff. Thanks for listening. And I'm Sam. Thanks. <laughs> He got down, folks. He got down. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>